Hey, Jace. Yeah. So, since we're talking about all kinds of stories and everything, let's talk about ones that aren't so predictable, like the year 2020. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, right. It's July 2019. What is one thing in your life that's happened or that's going on now that you wouldn't have been able to predict in July 2019? Hmm. What's one thing in 2020? No, no, no. What's one thing going on in your life right now? Right. Right Current. now in yeah. 2020 yes. that wasn't, that I wouldn't have been able to predict yes. in 19. Yes. Living in a three-person house. <laughs> yeah, I think you stole mine there too. I I was fully expecting. Well, at that point, I would have just been hoping to get married, or maybe even expecting. But I haven't hadn't even proposed by that point. It's true. Um. But, you know, lots of conversation about proposing anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> And I would not have expected to be married and still have a housemate. That you're not married to. <laughs> that I'm not married to. Yeah. But... Mm-hmm. It seems to be working out. And it provides a really unique sort of community. Mm -hmm. And the way our lives intertwine and overlap and diverge in different ways is both infuriatingly frustrating at times <laughs> and occasionally really really good at others oh yeah which I would say is probably most of the time honestly but yeah yeah no that's that was definitely probably mine um, you know there are a number of things I probably expected or anticipated like being in a different ministry setting and all kinds of other things but um those are more negatives like in the sense of like i expected things that didn't happen (laughs) this is like okay this is what's going on and i could not have predicted it so right um but there's an abundance of those things yeah yeah um, any, anyone that has ever operated in anything remotely prophetic, you know that ne- that gift never gets turned toward yourself. It just doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah, and very rarely do things wind up looking quite how we anticipate them. Yep, that's true. So... Sort of like this episode, which uh, we really need to get into, so... Uh, folks, we're on now on to season three, episode twenty-five, fighting with God. You are listening to Fighting with God. Fighting with God exists to proclaim the gospel so that a lively faith 
the abundant love of God, and a confident hope that endures the darkness can be presented to a world that desperately needs them. We believe that engaging the struggles of following Jesus and calling things what they are, being theologians of the cross, can set us free to know the God who knows and loves us where we are and to the life he created us to have. Stay tuned. And welcome back to Fighting with God. I'm your host, Dave Ketter. And with me is my friend and co-host, and yes, housemate, even though he's married, Jason Wilson. Hey, everybody. So we are talking about story. We started this last week um, just talking about some of our more favored stories, uh, books and movies and the like and the things that that they do. And... um, you know, it got us thinking a little bit about the idea of what is it that makes what what is it that makes a story? Um, what things count as stories? What things don't? And uh, why why do we really need them? And all those kinds of questions. And we'll probably get into some of that. But I thought it'd be good to just kind of um, say at the outset. I have zero interest in defining story like in a way that would put it in a dictionary. <laughs> Just yeah, that really doesn't seem like your <sighs> cup of tea. I mean, mm-hmm. you're you're much more story is everything. Honestly, though, I mean, honestly, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we we live a storied ex- existence, and um, I'm not. Alone in that thinking, I mean, my, my friend Keith Martell co-authored a book a while back uh, called Storied Leadership. So, I mean, if you can take leadership theory and make it about story, what can't you do? <laughs> so, I mean, we didn't even have this concept till the 20th century. So. <laughs> concept of leadership, just to be clear. Story we've had from the inception of humanity and I would argue before humanity was created. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm just saying. But, I mean, okay. So I'm not going to do a dictionary definition. But what sorts of things do you think are maybe essential to story? Well, uh, you know, going back to my writing classes back in, you know, high school and whatever... Every good story needs conflict and resolution, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have some sort of conflict and some sort of resolution, you don't have a story. Like, no, nothing happens. Yeah. Yeah, no, con- conflict is definitely a necessity. Although, resolution can be um, a bit of a hot point. Just depending on how you actually mean that word. Welcome to postmodernity. Well, no. Welcome to Psalm 88. Okay? Touche. Like, <laughs> not every story, uh, not every conflict is resolved in a way that makes people um, okay with it. <laughs> yeah. Not every story has a nice pretty bow. Uh, I mean, seriously, you just have to listen to the fans of How I Met Your Mother about the f- final end of that oh, story. Oh, so. boy, don't get me started. <laughs> Or the end of Lost, for that matter. That's another one people get angry about. Yeah, I wasn't nearly as into that one, but 
but I heard about it yeah, because I, about I had it. friends who were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or, or the end of House. I mean, I think the theme here is that TV writers never provide a satisfying resolution. Mm. Rarely. Okay. Yeah. Sons of Anarchy. Yes. True. There, there are a few exceptions where there's a resolution to a series, series finale that is just on point. And there have been a few shows such as Sons of Anarchy and probably a couple of others mm-hmm. that... Which, by the way, is not a show for the faint of heart. Right. It, it's pretty tough and gritty and deals with some really difficult things. Um, and it's not really my cup of tea, but it's one you watch a lot. And mm-hmm. so I would get just enough of it to understand generally what's going on yeah. and the characters and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I can sit down and watch the finale. Yeah. And really enjoy the finale. Mm. Just because it's so well done. Right. And that, and that gets into more kind of the execution of a story, which is uh, maybe a different topic. Fair enough. So, like, essentials of a story. So, conflict and, and resolution. Um and, and and these things are not necessarily about fight or about um, crisis, uh, although they often are. And perhaps we can talk to some writers down the line that get a little more into those details. But uh, I would honestly look at some other kind of things for for essentials for a story. I mean, for one thing, you need somebody that's going to tell the story and you need somebody that's going to listen to the story. I, I I'm not trying to be, like obtuse here like that's actually (laughs) kind of necessary yeah okay and 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 because here's the deal who is telling the story shapes the story too you know the fact that you know we hear um i i I mean let's just take like a an example like beowulf okay beowulf was composed and redrafted and sung all over England at some point a thousand years ago, and, and actually prior to a thousand years ago. And eventually somebody writes down what is now considered the authoritative version. And that was sung for a while, and that was carried around for a while, and it was edited and updated so it would be more Christian-friendly and all kinds of other things, <laughs> right? And, and now we've got translations, and people read different translations of this Beowulf uh, saga, poem, really, not saga. Um, and and um, you hear it differently, whether it's Seamus Haney or Tolkien. They're different storytellers, and they're just translating. So, like, it's that, that's a pretty assen- significant essential. And then also the audience, like, uh, you know... Um, kids are going to hear it differently than old English grad students. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and I'm a, being a theater buff, I, I have to agree with you here mm. because you can go see a play twice 
And I mean, e- even just, you know, this, the same actors, the same run, just two different nights. Right. But we'll leave that alone for now. You know, you can go see a play by two different groups and it almost seems like a different story. Right. Because the different way things get emphasized, possibly most evident in the number of ways people redo Shakespeare. Mm hmm. And the ways they find to update or bring into modern or put an interesting twist on it or take parts of his story and put it in a totally different context or right or even you know even taking that all away you could just interpret the characters differently <laughs> right and like just get in their heads differently right swap swap out swap in and, and i mean swap out the actor and the understudy for once and see see how that changes the play right it, so how and who is telling the story yeah matters right and, and the audience they perform for matters you get a half empty oh. theater <laughs> versus a full house there is going to be a difference in oh, the way yeah. that story is told oh yeah <laughs> Play, playing in front of a dead audience is just painful right but and, but it changes the delivery too it you does know, the story the story is different so um and for some stories that actually might make it a better telling i don't you know, I'm not going to judge that <laughs> across the board. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, some stories are legitimately tragedies, and that might help it feel more like one. So <laughs> it's just a fact. Yeah. So, you know, like, uh, I guess what I would say is, like, yeah, storyteller, uh, story listener, these things are, are actually essential. Uh, this idea that somehow we can just contain stories in a, um, in a book, or a file somewhere. Uh, and that's those are the stories. Like, well, no, you need somebody who's telling the story. You need somebody who's going to hear the story. No matter what the medium is. Yep. So, conflict, resolution, you know, so compelling content. Um, roles like the storyteller, the story hearer. Um, what other kinds of things... Could, could uh, be considered as essential. Language? <laughs> I guess we are assuming that one. I mean, if we're really wanting to go down to the bare bones roots... Yeah. I mean, not trying to step my foot into anyone's perspective of Genesis... But honestly, I, because I'm really not stepping into that. But human beings have language to tell stories. This is, and you will not find me often disagreeing with with the late great Robin Williams. But language is not, in fact, to woo women. It is, <laughs> it is to tell stories. Because we live and die by stories. <laughs> but, um... And hey, it's another good story, right? Dead Poets Society, fantastic movie. But 
really is. Yes. Um, but it, it points uh, to that reality of like language is, is fundamental, like the kind of language you use, the register, the, the formal nature of it, the informal nature of it, um, whether you use, use more than one language in a story, uh, any number of things like just go into it. It's, there's so much there um, that could be explored and, and understood uh, just like it is essential. But, like, we change our language to make our stories work. I mean, the number of phrases that got made up for Shakespeare. <laughs> like, uh, like... The number of words that's what that I'm saying. Shakespeare made up. That's what I'm saying. Well, I no. mean, they started as phrases. Like, they, they, he, put, he would put together individual words to create whole new phrases that now are individual words. Well, I but, mean... You have it both ways because you have phrases like stung by green-eyed jealousy, um, which is a full phrase. And all of those words already existed, but he put that phrase together to mean something. Right. Then you have other words like crumpet. The word crumpet did not exist before Shakespeare. (laughs) He invented the word crumpet. It's not a phrase. I'm going to need a citation on that. (laughs) Ah, crud. Uh-huh. That that's one I learned a long time ago. Okay. Just all right. Learning well, random folks, things. I, about. I, I'm I'm officially saying I have no idea whether he's right. If you can correct him, send it in. <laughs> hey, bring it on. <laughs> but yeah, no, and I mean it's not obviously not just that, but even like I mean the Apostle Paul invented words in Greek to be able to tell the story of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Like this is. This is why we do language, is so we can tell stories, and yes, even the ultimate story uh, of the gospel itself. And, um, you know, we, uh, there's a lot nowadays about why people like different stories or find different things compelling. I mean, dystopian fiction is all the rage and has been for most of the past 20 years. Oh, yeah. And and I think that's been, that's not a bad thing. Like, I'm not... I'm not kicking it. Uh, I I've, I find a lot of it's been quality. I think it's called a lot of good questions in in our culture and society. It has given people a consciousness for injustice. And uh, there's a lot of good about dystopia, it, it, even apart from the question of just telling stories. Right. Uh, there's a lot about dystopia. I mean... There's some of it I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. There's a point to which I feel like it's oversaturated the market a little bit. And I want something else. Well, sure. And I imagine that a lot of folks in Shakespeare's England thought that sonnets had oversaturated the market. <laughs> this, is, this is the thing. You don't get to have a genuine diversity of culture production because... Culture comes in waves. Uh, we will never produce as many sonnets ever again. That was the time. Yes. So and one can hope. This is the time of dystopia. <laughs> well. We'll never produce this much ever again. Uh, minor argument. This is the time of superhero movies. Although those are done. And with this pandemic, they might never out come out again. Uh, <laughs> that'll be interesting to see. The great, the, the age of the great heroes is over. Star Wars is concluded. The MCU completed its 
major arc, which everyone bought into. Whether they'll talk every, everybody into any, in any other arc, that remains to be seen. But I say all of that to get to this, you know, reality is we've done this dystopic fiction thing for a while. And now we live in one. <laughs> and so I think we'll see a little bit of a drop on that. Um, because people are feeling the need for something else. And I remember the initial weeks of stay at home and all of that going on. And I apologize to anyone who's triggered by that. But I remember the initial weeks of that and all the things that people were watching and reading. And the themes, and, and the fascinating thing is, is like nobody wanted to rewatch like the 100 or zombie movies or World War Z or something that might involve quarantine. I mean, we did. We watched through the prequels of the Planet of the Apes movies. But right. <laughs> but and there might have been that first week or so where people were like, oh, yeah, ha ha, look at that. They're in the, and that's yeah. when we were all thinking, oh, this will blow over in a week or two or a month or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, there, there is this hunger for other kinds of, of stories. And, and actually, like, there's been this surge in, like, reality TV mm. and, like, a recovery of game shows that the 90s would have been proud of. I mean... Right. Like, like the ones that seem silly... Yes. A- ...and involve physical competition. Right. Right, and and um, the books that people are reading are much more of the classic fairy tale order, and and all of it is moving in this direction of we want to be anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right, and 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 um, that I think highlights something about um, at least some stories which is we, we need stories that are about escape. Escape from real life. And, uh, you know, in Tolkien's day, there was this whole thing. I mean, it wasn't just this modern idea that, uh, well, escapism is a bad thing or it's unrealistic or it's, you know, it's not psychologically healthy or you're not dealing with what's in front of you or whatever. Like, the, the, these are actually not new arguments. Tolkien actually addressed this in... in uh, Lectures that he gave and then that were collected in an essay that, that called on fairy stories. And Tolkien actually asserts that for fairy stories, which, by the way, isn't just Cinderella or Hansel and Gretel or something like that. Fairy stories involve any kind of engagement with um, the other world in any kind of way. So, like, stories about... Uh, leprechauns on the one hand or for that matter stories about Samson's birth in the Bible these things count as fairy story like they're, they're engaging with realities that are significant and larger uh, than, than us and th- that we find ourselves changed by that encounter right so that, that's fairy story. But he says that one of the crucial things about fairy story is that they allow the hearer, the reader, whatever they are, to escape. And um, what do you think when you hear that? 
So I, I think of two things when I think of escaping. Do I? I'm sorry. I'm kind of working this out in my head now. <laughs> so when we're talking about escape, we're talking about getting away from something. Usually we're talking about escaping something that is bad. And like you were saying, uh, like Tolkien was saying, escape has developed a connotation in our society as being a bad thing. Mm -hmm. um, because you don't want to be escapist because then you're not dealing with reality or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, somehow escaping reality is a bad thing because you usually don't talk about going back to the thing you escape from. So I can see how they get there with that. But it's also worth looking at in any story if you talk about escaping, it's a good thing because you're escaping from something that's bad. Your hero is escaping from a wrongful imprisonment. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, we got a story like that in Axe. <laughs> you know, we've Paul got a Silas. couple of stories like that in yeah. Axe. You know, Paul and Silas sitting in the prison singing psalms or Peter waiting for his execution and boom, the door's open. Yeah, escape is definitely a, a good thing in those stories. Right. So why does it suddenly become a bad thing here? Mm-hmm. And I, I think it does have to do with that, you know, you, you don't think of going back to something you escape from, and we don't want to just pretend the world doesn't exist because it does. Yeah. And it's actually a good thing. Mm -hmm. But escaping from the iron grip of our problems and hardships and tragedies of life, that is mm -hmm. a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, and I think that that story with Paul and Silas actually is a good model for understanding why we have escape as a need, as something that we, as a function of story, because, you know, you look at, okay, they're singing, they're praying and singing praises to God, and the, the uh, jail doors are opened, and the jailer comes in, like, thinking, oh, no, the prisoners have all, all escaped, like, and he would rather kill himself than actually face the consequences of that and the shame of that. Right. Um, and... and Paul and Silas have to say, hold on, no, 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 we're here, right? Now, they've been freed, they've escaped, but, but they're there, and um, that's what leads to life for this jailer in Philippi, is that they, they had escaped into, into this, but, um, but having that freedom allowed them to pass life on. And, to, and, and the, that man's whole household was was. Uh, brought to Christ because of it. And and so, like, you have this thing, like, stories that allow us to escape uh, actually get us 
out of that space uh, where death and despair and, and oppression reign. And they give us a vision for what, what could be. They let us think what hope might look like. They let us think about what, what joy might look like on the other side of these things. And until you can escape and encounter those things and feel those things, you know, be with Sam and Frodo on the edge of Mordor trying to get through it. Or, um, or be with Odysseus as he comes home at, at, and clears house. Hmm. Right, or or um, or or outsmart and outwit Anansi and and his you know incredibly twisted and corrupt tricks. Right, like there's I don't care what what continent or culture these stories are from. Stories are about escape, and we need escape in order for to have hope, <laughs> because ultimately, escape. I mean, that that is our hope. Mm. Because our hope is in Jesus Christ, who yeah. is the gate to our escape from death. Yeah, yeah. Because that was he talking. Yeah, he he paid that price, mm-hmm. so that way could be open to us. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and most stories do, in some ways, come to down to the question of escape from death. And uh, as we face a world filled with pandemic, um, we could use a little more of a skip from death in our narrative diet. So, right, because with that escape comes hope, mm-hmm. and, and that's that's a lot of what we need right now. Yeah. So, bringing that perspective, that hope that there is something beyond where we're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And having escaped, then we can share the story. We can share the hope. We can share the life and get through it. So really, we, we escape so that we can deal with reality and help others deal with reality. It's not at all a uh, bad thing to do. But it, it seems like this is kind of an essential uh, purpose of story. In, in a world that's broken and fallen and suffering. So, uh, any, any final thoughts you want to throw in there? We escape so that we can help others mm-hmm. who have not yet escaped. Mm. Yep. And we do it again and again and again because, well, reality ain't stopping, so I don't think our escaping gets to either. Well. So... But that is all we have time for this week. But we'll be back soon with more. Um, But until then, God bless. And have a good one. Thanks for listening today. We hope that this word was a blessing for you. Please rate and review on your favorite podcast app. You can find us on Twitter at Fighting With God or Facebook at Fighting With God Podcast. Remember that Jesus is here to speak peace, faith, hope, and love in your life. So go in peace.